Hi, I'm Jerry White, and this is SEO in 2023 Additional Insights. Jerry, what's your additional insight for SEO in 2023? So I think the main insight that I've got for 2023 is basically almost a continuation of what we've been talking about for the past couple of years. There's so much shiny and exciting stuff around, but I think one of the things that we need to really focus on is some of the basics. What I mean by that is that the one thing that kind of we've been looking at for a long time, but we've been talking about it for a long time, but it seems to get escaped in the kind of the focus of a lot of organizations at the moment, and that's basically entities. Um, it doesn't matter if you're working on e-commerce, it doesn't matter if you're working on content, it doesn't matter what type of site you're working on. Focusing on kind of like the entities and how everything kind of works together and being more topical than ever before is definitely something I think a lot of companies fail to focus on. When you're kind of talking about internal linking, when you're talking about how everything kind of gets set up, when you're talking about how how your entire site is put together, it feels like this is the one area that is so critical and yet so often overlooked across all different sort of factors. So why do you describe entities as the most critical thing? Because I would imagine that most SEOs would probably not pick entities as the most critical thing. Well, the reason I kind of say this is the fact that it's one of those key basics. What I, the way in which Google's been working for a long time and the way in which Google's been evolving is very much if you do a, a search for something, we don't get 10 blue links anymore. What we get is kind of a, a representation of what Google interprets your query to be. And it kind of understands far more about objects and how everything's linked together than ever before. And that's actually the way in which the search results look. I mean, if you look at the way in which search results were evolving, nowadays we're getting kind of more different drill downs where, I mean, a good example is something that I was looking at a couple of days ago, where when you do a search for something as simple as a lasagna, it actually suggests at the top, do you want to look at a vegetable lasagna? Do you want to look at high protein? Do you want to look at quick cook? And it starts to kind of go, we understand that you're looking at lasagna. And these are all the different ways that you can look at lasagna. I've been working on a recipe website for the past year as much as anything. It's it's, it's a e-commerce website, but a key part of it has been recipes. I'm trying to understand the fact that, you know, it's not just the recipes, but it's the way in which the recipes are made up of ingredients. And these ingredients then link through to the product pages, which is what we want people to start to go through to. And so everything kind of linking together means that Google kind of has this incredible understanding, not just of your site, but of the products within the site. And then if somebody says, actually, what I'm looking for is this particular product in stock that's available to be delivered. Google knows that you're a, a store that delivers this particular product, that it's in stock and it's available to be delivered. We've been marking up our pages for a long time with things like JSON, which allows us to kind of say, this is a product and this is in stock. And this is the price. But Google's kind of learning a lot about this kind of thing. It's, it's kind of knowing that, you know, these 20 different websites have this product. And if, it, if you can prove that you're one of those 20 that sells online and somebody wants to buy something online, that's exactly why you will rank much better. And again, Google's kind of learning all the information, relationships about things. So it's kind of understanding not just what a product is, but the alternatives to it. If you're looking for a particular advent calendar, Google knows that, you know, there are two or three other advent calendars. If the um, the particular advent calendar you're looking for is out of stock, this has kind of come to mind because a couple of the advent calendars that have been driving a lot of search traffic this year, are amazingly, are no longer produced by the companies. And so we're trying to persuade people to buy the other one, the Oreo one, instead of the, I don't know, I'm trying to think of the example, but yeah. 
It's funny um, you mentioning lasagna there as well, because I remember about 10 years ago, actually, delivering some SEO 101 training. And um, I asked everyone the question, how do you spell lasagna? And some people spell lasagna with A, some people spell lasagna with E. And um, so everyone was telling me, you know, no, it's spelled with an A, no, it's spelled with an E. And, And I went, no, the correct answer is, it depends on how much keyword search volume there is for the A version or the E version. However, that was 10 years ago or so, and um, spelling really doesn't matter as much now. You say that. However, I've just been looking. So I'm actually cooking for a couple of friends on Christmas. And one of the things I was looking for was a big pot. And it turns out these big pots, I'm, I'm not a cook, so I don't know what I'm talking about. But people are looking for a stock pot. And it's interesting on the Argos website, if you have a space between pot and not pot, then it actually has quite different results. I've been using another example of the fact that grey can be spelt with an E or an A in different occasions, and many websites actually will have different results according to how you spell certain words, even when they can be commonly known. So, like I say, the stock pot on the Argos website is a great example of why you kind of need to have not just consistency, but you even have to have consistency. And something which kind of goes, okay, we know you're looking for this, but this is also the same kind of search results. And it's 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 something which is is very interesting actually. But Google, Google doesn't worry really worry about spelling too much. If you type in stockpot, it kind of gives you totally totally the same results no matter whether you've used a space or not a space a lot of the time. For a lot of keywords, Google kind of goes, this and this are exactly the same search results. So whilst it doesn't matter for Google, it doesn't really matter for SEO, it does matter for kind of on-site search as much as anything. So yeah, it's a great example. It's certainly a wormhole that many SEOs can go down. But um, you also talk about targeting your strategy to entities and things rather than pages. So what does that mean in practice um, when it comes to publishing new pages in your site? And how do those new pages relate to your entity? Yeah, so a good example there is the fact that we've been integrating a CMS. And one of the things that I wanted us to do is very much focus the CMS around not looking at users and, and sorry, not looking at kind of the web pages, but basically looking at what the thematic was. And the reason for this is to kind of make sure that we had things like hierarchies and other bits and pieces. Is it a seasonal page? And one of my pet hates in terms of, of publishing to a website is this kind of concept that every Christmas we have another 10 set of web pages that we totally ignore in a year's time. We don't kind of go revisit them and, and revise them. And so this kind of evergreen approach is often left by lots of big e-commerce organizations. I mean, if you look on many, many different um, big websites, you'll often find they've got 20 versions of the Black Friday sale. They'll often have like a, a year identifier in it. And this just is terrible so basically if you're kind of talking about like the black friday sale you have one page you have one place for it one url so so you kind of start to kind of go okay this is the black friday sale page and all of the products that kind of live within it you know they make sure that they stay in the same place they don't move into the black friday sale and then move out again so it's kind of understanding the relationships as much as anything else and, and it's not moving things around because suddenly it's in a sale we had one website that i was working when i was at at seven and every time something went onto a sale page suddenly the canonical of it moved over and it became a sale product for two or three months or however long it was and it was just such a weird thing to find that pages were moving around all the time internal linking was a weird situation i mean yes they did have freer ones everywhere and everything else was correct but the kind of the 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 value that was lost by kind of not understanding the fact that you know 
entities and pages should basically have a kind of very fixed kind of relationship rather than necessarily a kind of a everything moving around all the time. And I think that basically understanding what a web page is about is so critical to Google and not necessarily worrying as much about what the actual URL is, because that is something which Google Google doesn't really care as much about the URL. It cares about what the page actually is. And the internal linking and the structure and everything else is so much more important as long as you have a good URL strategy that's consistent and doesn't change all the time. You mentioned internal linking there, and you say that an entity, an entity can be fully enhanced with multimedia and internal linking. So multimedia, for example, I mean, how does that actually impact the understanding of your entity? I mean, video in itself can be a separate entity. So for instance, you can say that, you know, within this page about, um, say, a clock radio, that's a really bad example, no one buys clock radios anymore, but you know what I mean. Basically, this clock radio has a video on it, and that in itself is kind of a, a, a media thing attached to it. And so particularly when you're kind of talking about the newer, better CMSs, where you kind of go, okay, this particular video is attached to this page, which is about this product. So you can start to kind of build out those sort of relationships within it. I'm, I'm talking about the latest headless CMSs. I'm talking about all sorts of kind of technology. And one of the things that I've sat down with a lot of the team basically is, is talking to them about the fact that we don't, we want to look at kind of subjects and then we want to make sure that multimedia is attached to the subjects. And so we kind of understand this is almost from a back end point of view. So we kind of go, okay, when we're building out the page, we know this product, this image is attached to this product and so on and so forth. It, it's hard to kind of describe, but basically I've got a massive whiteboard in, in an office somewhere basically explaining all of these kind of principles where we sort of talk about the fact that, you know, we don't want any video to be lost almost within the system. We want to make sure all the videos are there and associated with the right thing. A great example of that is the fact that one of the products that we don't really talk about at the supermarket that I've been working for for the past year. We the the actual box that it gets delivered in. We wanted to make sure that this was actually such a thing that we actually had videos on how you can reuse the box, how it's folded, how it's made, how it's everything, because it became such a functional part of it, the sustainability part of the the website that I was working on. That this this simple thing like a box that we made sure that we had the videos and everything. So as soon as you searched for the supermarket odor and the the box that the products came in, you'd get the videos, you'd get the pages, you'd get this carousel at the top because it became such an entity within itself and you know this was something that was already kind of in existence but we made sure that it worked effectively much better and we've got a lot of projects going on where where they're growing into both Finland and Germany to make sure that this kind of this project continues in the same way that it has done. And how do you optimize the use of internal linking to give a search engine greater confidence in what your entity is? Again, it's, it's very much around consistent linking. There was a fantastic article basically by the Mail Online, well, it wasn't by the Mail Online, but it was an SEO article talking about how the Mail Online used this hub and spoke approach. It kind of used this approach to say, actually, whenever we talk about a football team, we always link to this particular page. Whenever we talk about a, you know, the, 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 Oh, I'm trying to think of the example, but basically, whenever we're talking about a particular topic, we always link through to this particular page. So it's consistent internal linking, both up and down. So, for instance, you know, if we talk, I worked on a, a political website at one point, and we made sure that whenever we talked about the budget, this was the page we always linked to. We never linked through to the the 2020 version of the budget. We always linked through to the canonical budget page, and that one was always updated with the latest articles and other bits and pieces. This kind of gave you kind of an understanding 
understanding of the fact that you know we'd have one place where everything would link up to and that page would link down to everything this kind of hub and spoke thing works incredibly well there's nothing wrong with sort of the cross-linking as well and that works really effectively but it was kind of making sure that links were consistent to the best possible page for the best possible user experience I mean we there's a lot of people out there kind of saying you know you almost kind of have to ignore the search engines but you don't you have to kind of understand that the search engines want to understand where the right pages for the right things are and it will kind of work really effectively for them and the more you use this kind of hub and spoke approach to kind of understand the way in which an entity links and, and works with the rest of the site the more Google will kind of go this website is about this these particular pages is about that and then all the pages that are linked to will kind of get a boost from it and we've seen this time and time again where Google kind of goes yep this is actually the best example of information about this topic and these pages off it are kind of uh, related to it. And you'll see almost Google kind of treating sites within sites being kind of a key thing. I mean, a good example of that is the BBC, for instance. You know, it treats iPlayer, it treats BBC News, it treats the sport, it treats all of these pages as kind of websites within a site itself. And I think that's always absolutely critical. And just staying on internal link building for a second, actually, automation can be a fairly powerful tool for the building of internal links, but um, done badly, it can obviously be giving Google bad information. So what's an example of good automation for internal linking? Um, I mean, we've all seen things like inlinks as well, which I know you've spoken to a couple of times, Dixon's kind of tools, anything which kind of goes, okay, these are the entities within the page, this is how it should link across. Now, the biggest problem that I've seen with a lot of this kind of automation isn't so much the fact that it works very effectively, it's, it's making sure that Google can see it. Often it's injected using JavaScript in a way that Google struggles to read, so it's making sure it's done right. The other side of it is I've seen it where it's almost designed for... We've seen related products, related links, and, and all sorts of other bits and pieces where the, the, the internal linking has been generated in such a way that it's not going through to a canonical link. And it's often kind of putting on parameters, it's putting on all sorts of interesting bits and pieces because whoever built the tool to kind of provide the internal linking isn't the same person that kind of worked with the SEO team. And frequently, the tools that we have to kind of crawl sites ourselves don't execute or don't read the JavaScript in the same way that Google would. And so we often find that there's missing links that when we manually go back and check the pages, they're there, but they're kind of pulled in using tools. Tools are so, so good. And you kind of want to make sure that all of the links are done in such a way that Google can always read it. Now, we know Google can read JavaScript incredibly well most of the time. But we often do find that when we kind of look at this from Google, we often find that Google hasn't actually read the JavaScript or it's misread the JavaScript because of the way in which it's being put in after the page has been loaded in such a way. So yeah, massive fan of automation, massive fan of sort of scaling. But the one thing that it needs every single time is testing. So every time you do it, make sure it's tested. And do not have things like UTM parameters on it because that actually breaks analytics and it breaks user journeys and it confuses Google. So anytime that there's a parameter that doesn't need to be there, remove it, especially for search engines. So you've shared what SEO should be doing in 2023. Now let's talk about what SEO shouldn't be doing. So what's something that's seductive in terms of time, but ultimately counterproductive? What's something that SEO shouldn't be doing in 2023? I kind of love playing around. I'm the first person to kind of go and, and experiment with something. I mean, behind me over there that I've got one of those Oculus Quests and I'll spend a lot of time in VR and doing all sorts of bits and pieces. But I do find that a lot 
the time. People are kind of going, oh, look, this is a very shiny new thing to do. And without the resources, without the dedication, they skip out on the basics. Do not skip out on the basics. I go to so many conferences where people are talking about something shiny, new and exciting. And I go home and I play and do everything. But honestly, I spend probably 40 to 50% of my time working on key basics, making sure things like XML sitemaps are actually correct, making sure that the hreflang is properly going to valid pages. And so basically, I think the biggest kind of the biggest attraction right now is things like, can I scale up AI? Can I do something like that? And then they skip out on kind of not doing some of the core basics, which is internal linking and all of those bits and pieces that we've been covering so far. I'm a massive fan of making sure that those core basics, the the low hanging fruits, the I'm trying to go the brilliant basics are all kind of completely in place before I do anything exciting. Although that said, sometimes I think we don't kind of consider the fact that the ROI on the brilliant basics isn't there. So for instance, you know, I've seen people so obsessed with XML sitemaps that they skip out something that's kind of really important. So it's having a commercial understanding of what is absolutely required to make sure that the website's in the best possible place and will absolutely perform. Jerry White has over 20 years of experience in the SEO industry, working at brands and agencies including the BBC, Just Eat and Rise at Seven. And you can find him by searching Jerry White on LinkedIn. Jerry, thanks so much for adding your additional insights to SEO in 2023. My pleasure. Thank you. I've been your host, David Bain, and you've been listening to SEO in 2023 Additional Insights, a majestic series that complements the original SEO in 2023 podcast, video series and book. Find out more over at seoin2023.com.